Armed American Radio listeners, today's Armed American Radio's recorded version of the national radio broadcast, the Armed American Radio podcast, is being brought to you today and every day by North American Arms. Make sure to visit NorthAmericanArms.com for the finest mini revolvers on planet Earth. NorthAmericanArms.com. Enjoy the show. is Armed American Radio. If they want to take my guns, they're going to have to bring a station wagon and a whole lot of friends because I'm not giving them anything. From the Car Firearms Group studio. On the Sig Sauer Platinum Microphone. Mark, we know they want to take our guns, and now we're going to make them eat it. Freedom might be an uphill battle sometimes, but freedom will always prevail. Proudly presented to you by X-Insurance. X-Insurance. Here is your host of Armed American Radio, the loudest conservative voice in America fighting for your rights, Mark Walters. 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 Armed American Radio's Monster Cast, the second hour Christmas Eve edition begins right now. Welcome inside the Car Firearms Group studios with me. I am Mark Walters at AAR Ranch, filling your prescription for freedom today and every day. This hour of the show and all three hours of the Monster Cast Sunday broadcast in front of the six-hour powerful and platinum microphone. And it's all being brought to you by the great X Insurance. Welcome back in and Merry Christmas to everybody. Again, I hope you're enjoying a wonderful Christmas weekend with your family like we are here at the ranch. This hour as the previous hour and the next hour. Hour, our pre-recorded hours for you because we are spending time with our families like you are as well. Welcome back. Let's get started in this hour with the great Neil McCabe from Parts Unknown. Neil, Merry Christmas, my friend. Thank you for taking time out of your day on Christmas Eve to be here with us. How are you, my friend? Hey, fantastic, Mark. And uh, Merry Christmas every to you and your family. <laughs> and, also, uh, and also to all the listeners who have been uh, so so good to the show and they just keep it growing every year. It's something um, else, isn't it? You know, we're going in, we're in our 15th yeah. year, Neil, and April 26th marks a milestone for us. It's our 15th anniversary coming up next April, and you've had a you've had a role in this show for, I believe, 14 of those 15 years. Uh, we we just we thank you so much. Your wit, wisdom, and everything is is just he's wonderful here on the well, show. Thank you. Uh, seriously, Mark, uh, the, you and this show have been a very very important part of my life, and. Uh, and there, it it it's it's something I look forward to every week, uh, you know, like everyone else. So, uh, you know, it's 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 great to be with you on this Christmas, as it were. Yeah, it's it's here. It is now. You know, I was inclined. It's it's so easy at this time of year. This this year, Neil. Of course, the show falls on Christmas Eve, and next week on New Year's Eve. And to me, it's it's year end, right? And I, I have this inclination to want to go to top stories with you, but I'm going to hold that off because I know you'll be with us next week. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, but you know, I, I think if we were if we look back a year ago, you know, what was happening in the country with uh, President Trump is, you know, a year ago Trump had announced his uh, bid for reelection. But there was the disappointment of the red wave, which really, you know, for whatever reasons, didn't turn out the way people wanted it to. And there was this feeling that Trump was kind of finished and, you know, that that his announcement for president was almost treated as a joke. And 
in the last year, what we've seen is the country rally around this man and different parts of the country have reached out to him. And we're, we're seeing it now, uh, people in the cities. Um, I, I just saw this, uh, this tape of uh, African-Americans in Chicago who are basically saying, hey, Mr. Trump, please come to Chicago and straighten out this mess. And I would really mark the return of Trump as a serious um, political figure with, you know, the, the train wreck and the tragedy at East Palestine, Ohio, and the fact that he visited there and Biden didn't. And then, of course, uh, when Alvin Bragg, the uh, the uh, Manhattan district attorney, you know, basically made up some laws and indicted him. And and all of a sudden, people started to to see Trump for who he really is. He's one of us. He's one of us who's slugging it out and being attacked and it's it there's a weird thing with Trump that he can say things other politicians can't say because he can speak honestly like he's at the dinner table with us he can speak as if he's um in the family right the the French have that phrase you know entre nous right amongst ourselves um if any other politician said the things that he said, they'd throw him out on his ear and they do throw him out. And then and the, and the left, even, uh, you know, other politicians, even other Republicans, they say, oh, how, how can Trump say such a crazy thing? But it's different from Trump because he's so authentic and he's so he's he's sort of flawed like us. You know, for eight years, I wrote for Boston's Catholic paper. And Cardinal O'Malley, the Archbishop of Boston, would always talk about St. Peter is one of us. Like the reason why people are sort of drawn to St. Peter is because he's the apostle who makes mistakes. He's the he's the apostle who screws up like us. It doesn't and it doesn't make us hate St. Peter. It makes us sort of it draws us to St. Peter because because he it, there's an authenticity to his humanity, and uh, Trump has a ton of flaws, but he's he's like one of us. Don't you and, have a ton of uh, flaws, Neil? Let, let me stop you for a second. Don't yeah. you have a ton of flaws? I have a ton of flaws. Listeners, don't Friend. you have a ton of flaws? Don't yeah. we all have a ton of flaws? And we're all we for the most part we admit those flaws. Trump he gets himself in trouble because he doesn't really admit those flaws, but those flaws are evident to all of us who have flaws. So therefore there's a reflection there. We kind of see ourselves there, right? That That's my, that's my psychological input there. That's as far as I'll go. It's above my pay grade. Well, it, it, let me say this. It's uh, it, it, one of the most important things in any relationship, right? The, the strength of any relationship is based on predictability, right? Uh, you know, uh, you know, with you think about you, you, your, your wife or my wife, it's like they, your wife knows what you're going to say before you say it. <laughs> she knows what you're going to do before you do it, right? And, That's and always it goes bothered me, ways. by the way. <laughs> and you know my wife, and <laughs> I know your wife, so yeah. And I know for a fact, knowing your wife, that she feels the same way about you, yes, because we've been there and, and shared and, meals together. And, 
And with Trump, there is this bizarre predictability that you know exactly what he's going to do. You know exactly what he's going to say. You know how he's going to react, good or bad. Whereas a lot of times with politicians, you have no idea what they're going to say or do. In fact, people will actually get on TV and say, you know, yeah, you know, the problem with Trump is that he won't he won't lie like the other politicians. Right. Or the only reason Trump, you know, remember Trump would do stuff as president and somebody would get on CNN or MSNBC or even Fox and he'd say, you know, the problem with Trump is the only reason he's doing this is because he promised it during the campaign. And it's so crazy that he actually would get in trouble. He doesn't lie like the other politicians lie. Like when they're supposed to lie to us, he doesn't do it. He just says what he's thinking. He says what we're thinking. And it's really re- a remarkable thing that we've had. You know, you usually have Trump, you usually have a president for for two eight-year terms, right? That's sort of like the max. In a bizarre way, we've gotten, we're going to get three terms of Trump because I'm absolutely convinced that one year from tonight, we'll be thinking about Trump's inauguration for his second term. But these last four years have really been spent with Trump. Um, Dominating the news Trump in exile. Yeah, and it's like, he, you know, two years after uh, Jimmy Carter lost to Reagan, right? In, ni- in 1982, nobody wondered who Jimmy Carter wanted to be the governor of Colorado, right? In 1994, nobody was saying, hey, I wonder what George W. H. W. Bush thinks about this tax bill. People made a tragic era when they said, oh, as soon as Trump is loses, he's finished. And there's a lot of Republican leaders who had 2024 ambitions who did not do what they should have done to make sure that Trump was reelected in 2020 because they wanted Trump off the stage. And, fr- <laughs> and yet here he is. And their attempts to push him off that 24th stage, completely unacceptable. And it's a bizarre thing because, you know, one of the reasons why Trump wins his second term in 24 is because the only way to get rid of him is to make him president. All right. Stop, hold it. Hold it. <laughs> I, let's stop right there for just a second, because as you know the routine. Yeah, We're yeah. getting ready to take a break. And when we come back from the break, I want to touch on, I, I want to go back to, I, I'm taking notes while you're talking, by the way. And I want to go back to Chicago, et cetera. But I also want to go back to Red Wave, because I, that's a media-driven thing. And you might, you know my disdain for the media. We'll tie it all together for you. We'll be right back after this with Neil McCabe. The following segment of Armed American Radio is being brought to you by Defender Coffee. When you drink Defender Coffee, you're making a donation to a gun rights organization of your choice that protects and defends your freedoms. Welcome back to the show. Armed American Radio's Monster Cast continues. We're in the second segment, Christmas Eve edition. Welcome back in to the Car Firearms Group Studios with me. Mark Walters here in Georgia at the AAR Ranch, sitting in front of the Sig Sauer Powerful and Platinum Microphone X Insurance 
presents it all. Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. We are recorded today and we're talking with and continuing the conversation with the great Neil McCabe. Neil, so let, let's let me take you back to when you got started talking about Trump. We 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 brought up Trump because it's important for a lot of different reasons. We'll bring up as many of them as we can, excuse me, as we move into the remainder of these three segments. But you mentioned red wave that never transpired. And I want to throw a theory out here for you because there wasn't going to be a red wave ever. What I mean by that is this was a media bubble created hype by let's just pick on Fox because it's easy to do. Fox News, everybody's predicting a media. uh, The media is all predicting this red wave. The Democrats are predicting it for a different reason. Maybe they're polling their internal polling showed something different, but they predicted anyway because they know it isn't going to happen. But the rest of the media sits in this bubble and talks about this coming red wave. Meanwhile, the rest of us are sitting outside that bubble. And we tend to, you know, as the media does, drill things into our heads and that shapes how we think. Was there really a red wave at all or was it just an illusion created by media? Well, so, so many, yeah, there, there was supposed to be a red wave and some of this stuff is structural. It's sort of, um, you know, just to touch just to touch on Trump for a second is that, you know, one of the things that made it impossible, and I mean impossible, for Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis to hijack Trump's movement, right, make himself the leader of MAGA, and make himself president of the United States, you know, by taking the nomination from Trump and then winning the general. This was never going to happen because Trump has already served one term. He's limited to one term. And so he is a Trump is a four year solution, whereas DeSantis is presenting himself as an eight year solution and Christie okay. and Haley and the other. Uh, OK, but, and so, uh, but DeSantis, though, so, to, to take that argument that I just made. That it was all the red yeah. wave was a media driven hype. DeSantis is a victim of that media. Why? Why did he think that he was able to do what he wanted to do? Because the media was all over him, in particular, Fox News, building him up. Oh. They live inside this yeah. bubble. They believe these things that aren't reality outside of that bubble. And we see what's happening with DeSantis's campaign right now. Now, I like Ron DeSantis, but I never felt that he was going to get past Trump. Yeah. And, and remember, in 22, in that red wave, you know, he ran uh, he ran like this fantastic campaign in Florida and he won by almost 20 points. There, but the, the first congressional election, Senate and uh, House elections in a president's first term, right, those that first midterm is historically very good for the party. That's out of the White House, and especially the, there's two midterms, right? If a you know in the presidential term, and uh, the first midterm is is considered very good for the party out of power, because at the same time when the, you know tr- Biden had the House, the Senate, and the White House, and so traditionally this is when you know when the Democrats have the House, the Senate, and the White House is when they do the most damage. You look at the first two years of FDR, the first two years of LBJ, the first two years of Carter, the first two years of Clinton, the first two years of Obama, and then look at the first two years of Biden. Everybody said he wasn't going to get it done, he wasn't getting anything passed, and in the end he had some phenomenally destructive bills passed, and there's going to be a reaction. I think the Dobbs decision, which 
overturned Casey and Roe v. Wade and threw abortion back to the states, I think in a way that that took the wind out of the sails of the Republicans because in effect it was such a huge victory because it had it had been a fight for fifty years that it in a sense it almost it was such a huge victory that uh, it, it it made the Republicans almost seem like the incumbent power. Like it's almost like they were in charge. And so there was a inside that midterm the dynamic there Whereas the big dynamic was the was sort of the, the pushback on Biden and the Democrats, but inside that pushback, there was a pushback against the Dobbs decision and the abortion decision. But also the Senate, the Senate was very bad structurally, not politically. Didn't matter what the politics were, because Republicans, the Republicans were at a disadvantage because Senate Democrats were only defending nine seats, and because they were only defending nine seats. The Republicans had to spread themselves all over the place, whereas the Democrats could protect their nine seats and then take their shots where they could. And so it's really incredible the Republicans did as well as they did structurally. Uh, this cycle, you're, you're going to see a completely different story. The Republicans are only defending 11 seats in the Senate, and that means that the Democrats are on defense on the Senate and then in a presidential year, the House is really tied to who, to the presidential candidates. And so it's it almost doesn't matter what the House people do. It doesn't matter what Speaker Mike Johnson does. It doesn't matter what the Democrats do in the House, because whether, they, whether they, they're going to live and die with the presidential nominee of their party, which is one of the reasons why a lot of people think there was some funny business in 2020 because the Republicans actually picked up enough seats to gain control of the house. And so like, I think I'd have to go back. I'd have to go back maybe 150 years to a time when the party that lost the white house gained control of the house uh, of representatives. But yeah, the, the the midterm was a very it was a very tricky thing. It was uh, and there's a lot of very good there's a lot of very good Republican candidates who lost because they were abandoned by the party leadership, the staffers and the consultants who run the Republican Party. And it's something we've seen over and over again in the gun rights political movement. Whereas, you know, the gun rights voters, these are these, you know, people who are motivated when gun, if there's a referendum or something, or there's a, if in a state or in a, wherever the election is, if gun rights is on the ballot, right, people will show up and they vote, they'll come out of the woodwork to protect their gun rights. And so many times people, gun owners have been the backbone of these Republican victories. And yet when it comes time for the Republican leadership and the staffers and the consultants to sort of defend gun rights, well, they, they just disappear. They fail <laughs> miserably. A, they fail miserably yeah. to do it. and, and, and Which is when you need them. Well, that is when you need I, them. And I we've don't... commented for years, Neil, that, you know, if the Republicans would stand up and make that a central focus of their campaign, because the Democrats will and are signaling now that they're going to continue to make gun control a central focus of their campaign coming up in the 2024 elections, which is unusual. Usually they'll back off. They're not now. 
The Republicans are, unfortunately, we're going to have to trust that they're going to have to make gun rights a central focus of their campaign. When we come back from the break, we'll continue with the great Neil McKay. Don't go away. segment of Armed American Radio is being brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Don't forget to use the promo code AAR at MyPillow.com. Welcome back. Armed American Radio's Monster Cast continues on Christmas Eve, the Christmas Eve edition. Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Mark Walters filling your prescription for freedom here at AAR Ranch in Georgia in the Car Firearms Group Studios in front of the Sig Sauer Platinum Microphone X Insurance presents it all. Please go out of your way to visit all of our partners that make these discussions every single week on this show and five days a week on Armed American Radio's Daily Defense possible. You can find them all at armedamericanradio.com. Continuing with Neil McCabe. Neil, let me go back to a couple comments you made in the previous segment about the Senate. There was a recent poll out that I covered about a week ago. New poll revealing America's least favorite leader in Congress with shocking single-digit approval. That individual happens to be Mitch McConnell. Six percent of adults polled polled not and I, I'm not the one that's going to say six percent of Americans it's six percent of adults that were polled said they approve of Senate uh, minority leader Mitch McConnell Republican out of Kentucky six percent at what point is Mitch McConnell gonna see or get the memo and it, you know I, I look at this in terms of my own life I'm not a young spring chicken but I'm not old by any stretch But I'm looking at Senate leaders and House leaders that have been there most of my entire adult life. And people ask the question, how did we get here in America? Why are we here where it's so divisive? That's a a very there's a huge a lot of dynamics in play for that. But the simple answer is, well, it took 245 years for us to get here and we're living through it. But a large part of the problem, a large chunk is that we continue to elect these people for life. And that creates the problem that we have right now today. What where does that come in? Because we're seeing rumblings now of younger voters now gravitating towards Trump at under 45 years old that likely wouldn't have or didn't in the previous election because they're looking at Biden at 81 shuffling and stumbling around. The guy can't talk. He can't keep a coherent sentence or thought going. His people are putting him in. You know, comfortable shoes. They're moving him up small steps. Um, They can tell us what they want. They can tell us the sun is shining at midnight, but we know it's not. And we can see it with our own eyes. Hence the gaslighting, the term gaslighting. Yet politics is local. New York continues to put Schumer in office forever. Kentucky, Mitch McConnell forever. When are these people going to get the memo? And by these people, maybe I should shift my focus, not just to them, but to the electorate. Yeah, I think you have to look at, uh, you know, what is the demand signal that McConnell is responding to? And the demand signal that McConnell is responding to is from the donors. And McConnell raises a phenomenal amount of money. The, the Are you Republican telling me there's National no one else out there that can raise money? We've got to rely on Mitch McConnell. He's the only one that can do it. That's like saying that a receiver that gets busted for a felony charge 
continues to come back to the football team because you're telling me there's no other receiver that can play that position? See, I don't buy that. I know where you're going with donors. But can't we remove him and bring somebody else in? There's got to be somebody else that can raise money. Well, the, 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 there's a the Republican National Committee has a subcommittee called the Republican Senate Campaign Committee and the RSCC, right? They're there. It's run by uh, Steve Daines, who, who's uh, from Montana. And that's nominally, that's the committee that's supposed to raise money for Senate Republicans. But McConnell has created, uh, the, you know, his own leadership. He has his own leadership pack and, and then sort of sub and affiliated packs that have become so powerful and so successful at raising money that he really decides who's a senator and who isn't. And you'll see in the, you know, in the 22 cycle, you know, he refused to give money to Blake Masters, who is the Republican running in Arizona. Blake Masters said he would not vote for for McConnell as majority leader. And there are other people who said they would not vote for McConnell as majority leader if they were elected to the Senate and McConnell cut them off at the knees. He basically put pressure on the Republican senatorial committee. And then, of course, he has his own packs and he cut those guys off. But that tells me that that's a a power position. It's not Mitch McConnell. It's his position. If somebody else were in those shoes, wouldn't they have that same power? Well, it's tough because it's all based on it's it's based on people. And what you have is you have, you know, McConnell has former staffers who are salted, not only among the lobbyists, right? They're the ones who are sort of ginning up these donations. And then his former staffers are also salted in these, in the different political action committees and the Republican National Committee. So it's like there is a, I don't want to call it like a secret army of McConnell staffers, but over the last, you know, 20 plus years, you know, hundreds of people have maybe a thousand people have worked for McConnell. And a lot of those people are working in Washington right now. And they're not really, con- you know, they're not really concerned about McConnell's, you know, his selfishness and his 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 uh, his undermining of the conservative agenda. He has a pretty safe seat in Kentucky, which is really the only election he has to worry about every six years. And, you know, the guy has tremendous flaws. If you think about it, his, his wife, Elaine Chow, her father, you know, she, she would talk, I remember when she first became like this, she came onto the political stage. She said, Oh, I came here from China. Uh, I was a as a refugee of, uh, of communism. And it's so terrible. My family worked hard. Her father is a multi-billionaire who owns a shipping company And when the People's Liberation Army of China, when those soldiers invade Taiwan, they will be carried on ships owned by Elaine Chow's father and McConnell's father-in-law, right? Elaine Chow's sister sits, has maybe she's not there now, but she has sat on the board of directors of a shipping company that builds warships for the Chinese government. And this is McConnell's family. Lexington and Louisville, you're listening to this right now. Look, you've just described the deep state. 
with the staffers yeah, that are exactly. salted throughout Washington that have been there forever. Yep. What it, Kentucky voters, are you listening to this? Are you are you hearing this? Because, look, yeah, Kentucky voters are the only ones that McConnell has to worry about. Yet everything McConnell does, I don't live in Kentucky, and everything McConnell does impacts me. Look, I'm over the fact that McConnell is a guy. And I'm not over. Well, let me put it this way. McConnell's a guy that has to close his eyes when white lights come on TV so he doesn't fall down. Okay, it's time, Kentucky, to make a move. Six percent of adults say they approve of your of your politician. This is the deep sky. And this isn't this what. But doesn't this go to the root of why they hate Donald Trump? Because Donald Trump is intent on clearing this out, not just Democrats, but the deep state itself, which is also people like McConnell that we're talking about specifically here. Yeah, well, well, Trump means the party's over for these guys, and it's a reshuffling of the deck. And these are guys who who have who have made very good living. Uh, they, you know, their kids went to Georgetown Prep. Um, they belong to all the right club, uh, golf clubs in Washington D.C. You know, so many of these Republicans they show up at Washington D.C. You know, promising to burn the place to the ground, and then twenty years later. Right. Their wife is a lobbyist for the airline industry at three hundred thousand a year. Right. <laughs> and they've moved their families to D.C. and they're having a great they're having a great frickin life. And it's there's a, it's, you know, for you're asking people the, the reality of Washington, D.C. is you're asking those McConnell staffers to come home and tell their wife, actually, we have to sell the boat we have to sell our third vacation home. We have to, you know, it's like, yeah, isn't kids, that, I can't, that, I, well, I can't, can't contain it any longer. Isn't that what the founders had in mind? We're not, we shouldn't be asking them. We should be telling them that it's time to go home. It's, and we don't. And look, McConnell did some wonderful things when it came to Trump and judges, the Supreme Court, stopping Merrick Garland, etc. A lot. There's no question. He did a few good things. But what else has what else has McConnell done for gun owners? Listen, we're getting ready to take another break. When we come back, we're going to continue what is a provocative conversation. And during the break, I'm going to ask Neil McCabe uh, a question. And we'll get an answer from him when we come back. Armed American Radio's MonsterCast continues with Neil right after this. segment of Army American Radio is being sponsored by Crossbreed Holsters. Make sure to visit CrossbreedHolsters.com. Now let's get back to me. Armed American Radio MonsterCast Christmas Eve edition continues. Welcome back into the ranch. Mark Walters filling your prescription for freedom on the six-hour microphone. We are in the Car Firearms Group studios, and X-Insurance presents it all. I asked Neil during the break if he would be willing to stay for the next hour, so we are going to keep Neil McCabe. I've got a lot to ask him coming up in the next hour that we're not going to be able to cover in this hour. So, Neil, thank you. Merry Christmas. Welcome back. I really do appreciate you taking time with us on Christmas Eve. It means a lot. So, look, we, uh, you, you described right. you described the deep state to a T. All right. And I, I look, I look, I'm fair. OK, I'm going to give McConnell some accolades like I did. He did. A, you know, he pulled some wonderful procedural maneuvers to keep Merrick. I mean, imagine, ladies and gentlemen, where we'd be if Merrick Garland right now running the DOJ that's weaponized under his, uh, under his, I, I hate to even call it leadership, but imagine if he was sitting on the bench where we'd be. So I, and I got to give McConnell credit for that. That's a fair statement, Neil, isn't it? Yeah. McConnell is, he excels at playing defense, which if you look constitutionally, 
the 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 Senate does not have initiative power when it comes to like war, spending, taxes, um, any of its any of the people that it has to confirm, like ambassadors, cabinet officers, Supreme Court. Basically, whatever the House does or the president does, right, there are times when they have to come to the Senate for permission. And the Senate's power is really the power to say no, because the Senate doesn't really have initiative. So constitutionally, the the framers set it up that 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 the House did not have a that the House as the closest to the people and the president have the initiative and the Senate in the middle would just sort of be the place to sort of say, hey, tap the brakes. And so. You know, there was a time in college where there was no shot. Well, the time of the pros too in basketball where there was no shot clock. Right. And you would do this sort of four corner deal where you would just pass the ball around, you know, for 10 minutes, last 10 minutes of a game. Right. You'd be up and use in, uh, in my lifetime. I saw it in college where you just sort of pass the ball around until uh, until the clock runs out. McConnell's very good at that. Don't ask McConnell. Right. To advance anything. But he can stop it. And, you know, and he'll do that. But, you know, McConnell is like we were saying in the last segment, you know, he he is this very embodiment of the person who comes to Washington, D.C. and and becomes part of this Washington, D.C. system, this swamp that that the president talks about. And, you know, he want he's excelled at the swamp and he's got hundreds of people who are part of his political family who are living phenomenal lives. And when you ask, you know, it's like if you ask them to do something conservative, it's going to, it affects their lives. And there are people who, you know, have to explain to their wife, we can't do that because if, um, you know, because I work for a pro gun congressman or I am a pro gun congressman and they won't let me into right. that club. So let me, let me give you a, an example of this club that Neil is talking about, ladies and gentlemen. I personally know someone who will go unnamed uh, in Washington, D.C., a power broker, who is no longer playing games in pro-gun circles and power brokering because it upset the 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 circles that they themselves have no choice but to run in in Washington, D.C. It affected their lives. It affected their ability to do other things in their lives because they were viewed as too conservative, even though they are. They had to back off. This is a problem with the deep state, Neil. And, you know, McConnell is there. We've talked about it many times over the years. What has McConnell done for me as a gun owner? What did he do when he was Senate Senate Majority Leader when we had a couple bills? You and I have talked about some of those bills. We can go back to Thune's bill, okay, for national reciprocity. Now, of course, in in those years since, we have 27 states that are constitutional carry. It's becoming less and less of an issue. But nonetheless, what did they do for me as gun owners when they had power in the Senate? They backed off of those issues when it came to gun rights because they didn't want to upset what? That deep state, as, as I gather what you're saying right now. And what so therefore, right, what the is that doing for me the, as a gun owner? Dollars. Yeah, and it's, you know, when you think about, you know, the, the, the tragedy of uh, gun rights as we stand right now, there, 
there have been times on the show past Christmases where things have looked a lot better. And, you know, maybe they'll get better under Trump, but certainly, you know, the last three years under Biden and, the you know, and, and Democratic control of two houses for at least uh, two of those three years of Biden, you know, it's it's been bad. Well, Bruin threw a monkey wrench it, in the Democrats that's been affecting them. We're winning court cases across the country. So Bruin is huge. And, but that's going to take a number of years as court cases work their way through the system. We've talked about that many times, ladies and gentlemen. With the great Alan, yeah, Gottman, you have, who heard us talk about it in the first hour. Go ahead, Neil. And you're going to have you're going to have Trump, Trump judges. You know, many of those uh, Trump judges that he was able to put on the bench are at the lower level, right? That first district court level, right. and so so they're going to they're going to they're going to rely on Bruin and uh, uh, and and the other uh, cases like Heller. Um, but the, the 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 lesson is for me. When you have the opportunity to pass the gun law, the pro-gun rights law, you have to do it. And they failed. And when the when the votes were there and everything was lined up, it didn't happen. And it didn't happen because the people in Washington D.C. who live off of gun rights saw it. So basically that, hey, if this law passes, like if the National Concealed Carry Reciprocity Bill passes, let's say like the Hudson Bill that was up a few years ago, if 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 we actually got gun rights in this country locked in in federal law, then there's a lot of people whose jobs lobbying for gun rights wouldn't be necessary anymore. Well, I would argue that it is locked and, in under federal law because we have a constitutional amendment that I have tattooed on my arm that reads very clearly well, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And we've allowed it to become infringed. That's a that's a whole discussion. Yeah, but there's still places. Right now. That's why we're going to cover some of that right, in the next hour with you. But but there's still places in this country, right, where uh where basically I have to throw my gun into the bushes or leave it in the car um, when I walk into some place um, or a building, if or or, the, or you just take that risk, right? Um, and they're all and run so by like Democrats who hate our gun rights. There's a lot of work to be done, Mark. There's a lot of work to be done, and the people who are on our side, they don't they don't reach for that victory, even though it's right in front of them, because they're also part of a we have our own deep state problem in the gun rights community because there's so many people who make a very good living protecting gun rights and or fighting for gun rights. But if they actually won and the battle was over, then then they're out of job too. Okay. Like, this, you know, right. William Lloyd Garrison, William <laughs> Lloyd Garrison fought, he fought slavery for like 15 years, right? Leading abolitionists. And he had a newspaper called The Liberator. And when the 13th Amendment passed, he shut down his newspaper and he went on with his life. And he said, my work is done. All right. Well, my we, work let, is let done. Me, let me take us to the no top one of in the, the gun rights community is willing to do what he did. Let me take us to the top of the break with this. I used to work for Pitney Bowes, and I sold postage meters in Virginia Beach in a territory. And if I sold everybody that needed a postage meter, a postage meter in my territory, I sold myself out of a job. Armed American Radio's Monster Cast comes back in the next hour. Neil is kind enough to stay with us. We'll be back right after this, six minutes after. Merry Christmas.
has filled your prescription for freedom with Mark Walters. Presented by X-Insurance. X-Insurance. On the Armed American Radio Network. Uh-huh. 